good morning, church. Turner um, Glissman. Uh, really grateful to here to be with you guys. I'm going to start us off with a quick prayer. If you guys would bow your heads with me. God, uh, we, we just thank you for who you are. God, I, I just pray that we can uh, seek you first, God, that we can come together, that we can be a fellowship. God, I, I just pray that you can speak through me, that we can learn to to figure out what it means to follow you, God, to be with you uh, for the rest of our lives, God, so we can be with you in heaven. Uh, we love you, God. So in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, like I said, I'm grateful to be here with you guys. Actually, my first time in Wichita. Um, I was surprised. I, I walked, we saw that, we saw the downtown. I was like, man, this is, this is a city. This is big. I, I didn't know what I was expecting, but I was, I was blown away. I thought, wow, this is pretty cool. They got, you got a whole baseball stadium. It's incredible. Um, yeah, yeah. We did see some cows though. We did see some. Um, man, me, me and my wife, Lindsay, man, we're just grateful to be here with you guys. So, so, so encouraging just to be with you guys in the fellowship and talk to so many of you already to, to be down here. Uh, I mean, I love God's kingdom. I love the fact that we can go all over the world. We can go to all these cities and we can be a part of a family. And it's just so incredible. I, I love going to different churches and just meeting people. It's just such a, it's just such a, a joy to meet new people, to be a part of God's kingdom in that way. Um, I am from Lawrence, Kansas. I've been here for about two years, uh, helping lead the campus ministry. You guys met Perry and Ronnie Tong last week. Uh, we, we lead together at KU. We, we, uh, help the campus ministry there. Uh, before I was in Lawrence, I was actually converted. Uh, I, was, I got baptized in campus ministry in Colorado. Um, yeah, so I, I grew up in the ministry there. I, I was trained by people like Campbell, if you know him. I actually ended up doing full-time campus ministry in Boulder, Colorado for two years. Um, that was during COVID, so you know, it was <laughs> challenges, but God, God moved incredibly. Um, and then me and Lindsay started dating while I was leading the campus ministry in, in Boulder, and I moved out here to Lawrence, uh, and we ended up getting married a little over a year ago. So it, it's been incredible, man. I, I, it's been an incredible journey. Uh, man, so grateful just to end up here to be with you guys. Um, and, man, I just want to share a little about what's going on in Lawrence, Kansas, and our campus ministry. Uh, I'm sure Perry shared, shared a little bit last week, but uh, in the last year, we've seen a little over 20 students at KU get baptized, make Jesus Lord. Um, and it's been incredible. I mean, God moved so much in that time. Uh, there was a week in the spring where for, I think it was 13 weeks straight, we had a campus student getting baptized. And... Uh, it's incredible to see even the older. I mean, seeing Hutch here. Hutch is also from Lawrence. Uh, they have a they have a platinum club up there, is what they call it. Uh, it's the retired people. They have a Bible talk in a grocery store at Starbucks, and that, they'll go reach out and they'll re, and they'll and they'll share with people and they'll invite them to their Bible talk. Apparently, Home Depot is good grounds to to reach out to people like that. But they met they met a guy named Rand Nancy and. Rand he actually got baptized in January. I don't know if you guys heard about that. It's incredible. Um, and it's just been cool. This, uh, we have two students graduating this semester who are going to go into the full-time ministry. Um, yeah, one's going to Milwaukee. One's going to stay in Lawrence for maybe a year and then get sent out, hopefully. Um, and so it's been incredible. Like God has just been moving so much uh, in the last year up in Lawrence. And I, I just want to share that with you guys to encourage you. And it's just incredible. I love what God has called us to. 
I love what God had called me to. I love that God calls all of us to this, to this kingdom. He calls us to, to be a part of something that has deep impact. Right? And so that's what I actually want to talk about today. I want to talk about this idea of being called. Okay? Um, called is the title of my lesson today. And being called can mean many things. Okay? Uh, right? Someone can call you on the phone. Right? Someone can call you, pick, or, you know, pick, pick you on you in class, right? You can be called to be a part of a team. You can feel a calling to join some, some, uh, some vision, right? Being called, it, it kind of has two main parts, though. It has someone who is being called and it has the caller. The, call, the person being called is the person that is susceptible to impact. The caller is the one who impacts that person, right? Someone is being called at one point was just sitting there and then was pointed at, right? Oh, now I have to do something, right? Someone's calling me out. Someone's calling me. I'm the one being acted upon. Today, we're going to be looking about how God has called us. The question that we have to ask ourselves is, do we, is will we answer the call that God is giving? All right, so we're going to look at a story that a lot of you guys are probably familiar with. Uh, it's, it's in the book of Exodus, if you guys want to start turning there. Uh, to kind of catch you up, what's been going on is uh, the Israelites were in Egypt uh, for 400 years, right? They were under the, at one point, they went under the slavery of the, of the Pharaoh. Uh, they, were, they were caused to work. They were caused to, uh, they were, became slaves. They had this burden put on them. They, the, the view of, of Israelites in Egypt was no longer good, right? And this group of Israelites grew. They grew to large numbers, right? A lot of people believe it's like around, somewhere around a million Israelites, okay? And so the Pharaoh's freaking out because there's this massive amount, massive people that are growing up under him, and he's afraid that they're going to revolt, and so he just puts more oppression on them to keep them down. And these people, they're, they're looking for something, looking for a way out, and God answers, right? God calls them out. He, he, he saves them. He goes to the ten plagues. We see Pharaoh try and chase them, but Pharaoh fails. They get, into the, they get into this land. They're going to the promised land. And we're going to pick up in Exodus chapter 19 where they're at Mount Sinai. Okay? Exodus 19 verse 1. All right, it says, Exodus 19 verse 1, it says, On the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt... On that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set up, after they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and the Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, "This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel: You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt, how I carried you on eagles' wings." And brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Right, and so it's here that we see the beginning of God's plan. We see God's plan for the Israelites unfolding. Okay? And you can imagine. This moment, you can imagine just the ultimate victory that the Israelites had gone through, 
right? It's like the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like ultimate victory. You feel so much uh, passion. You feel like just so gracious. You're just, you're pumped. I mean, you can imagine these Israelites, I mean, they've been enslaved for generations. And now they're free. And they have purpose. And they have a God. And they're, and they're a holy nation. And it's here that God makes this call. He's like, he's like Moses, I, I need you to tell this. This is the first thing that I want the Israelites to hear. I, this is what I want the Israelites to hear from me. This is the call that I'm giving them. Right? And the first thing that God did in his call to the Israelites is he called them to remember. Right? He points directly back. Look at what I just did for you. Look at, look at what I just called you out of. Right? You know, this phrase, your God who brought you out of Egypt, is said around 80 different times in the Bible. Right? You read the Old Testament, you see it so often. You see the, you look at the, 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 the uh, prophetic books, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah. It's co- constantly calling the people to remember your God who brought you out of Egypt. You know, it's obvious that this is something that God wanted to be looked at. This is something that God wanted to be remembered. This is the moment that the change of heart for these people occurred. It's the moment that they, 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 they went from going to having a hard time to being free and with God. Right? It's the moment that people constantly had to look back on and remember because it was the moment that their life changed. And you cannot forget the moment when your life changed. Right? It's the reason that all of us are here because of the path that we got put on. And so from the moment of Joshua... To, to even the exile and to the return, there were people are always being called to remember your God who brought you out of Egypt. Right? We have to remember why this was so important. Like I said before, like these people were enslaved. They were beaten. They were persecuted. They were hated. They were forced to kill their firstborn child. They were helpless. They were alone. They had no purpose. They had no hope. It says in Exodus 1 that they were, they were crying out, right? It doesn't even say that it was to God. It just says that they were crying out. They, were just, they just needed something. They, they had felt so much pain. They had felt so lost, right? But God heard them, and he rescued them. And when I was 19, 19 years old, I, I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't, I didn't really have a relationship with God. And so my life kind of was like this. It had no purpose. It had no hope. I remember my freshman year of college, I just not really knowing what to search for. I would go to parties and I would go get drunk and I would, I was smoking weed and I was, uh, I had all these worldly friendships and I, uh, did what the world said you should do, right? I, I followed the culture of the world. And what I found myself doing at night, when I look at my life, I would say, man, I, I don't know if I have any friends. I don't know if anyone really knows me. I'm pursuing this degree, but I don't know if I have any purpose. I don't know if I really want to do this. What am I doing? I, I felt so lost. I felt so hopeless. I, I didn't know who I was. I, I was scared of, 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 of the future. I was scared of what people would think of me if they actually saw who I was. Right? Like, it just torment. And then, and then I was reached out to by somebody. And someone shared with me the gospel. Someone shared with me exactly what, what Gary said in his communion, right? Like, man, like God, God doesn't see that. God, God loves you. And God sees who you can be. 
not who you were. And it changed my life. It changed the entire direction, the entire... My life took a 180 and it went from death to life. And I always have, I always find myself going back to that moment. I always wonder, like, man, what would my life have been if I didn't have God? Like, where, where would I have ended up? And I look back at my eight years, and I look back at everything that God has done. I'm like, man, I, I wouldn't trade this for anything. And this, is, this doesn't even compare to heaven. This isn't even, this, what I've experienced in the last eight years isn't even close to what heaven's going to be. It's incredible. And so no matter what the challenge is in my life, no matter what problems are going on in my life, no matter what things are going on around me, I, I look at what happened and what God called me out of, and I'm just like, man, I, I'm so grateful. And I, I don't want to lose this. I don't want to give up on this part with God. And I know that every single one of you in this room have that st- a story that's like that. Right? It may not look exactly like mine. But there, there, was, there was a time in your life where you felt this sense of hopelessness, this sense of where you didn't have purpose, and God came into your life, and he changed the trajectory of your life. Because we, we cannot forget this. This has to be the reason that we keep going forward. We have to know where we came from. We have to know what God called us out of. And it can be so easy as time goes on to forget that, right? As time moves forward and you kind of become numb to everything that happened, it's just like, we, we can forget about what God actually did in our lives and how much he changed it and that everything that happened wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for God, right? And so God just like, he, he makes it so important. This first thing, remember what I did. Do not forget that, right? But the second thing he does is he calls them to obey him fully, right? He says, look, look at what I did. I called you out of this. You want to be here. You want to be with me. You got to obey me fully. Right? It says, now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of the nations you will be my treasured possession. Right? It, it, it's a conditional statement. God is, God is creating a condition. Right? God loves us. God loves us unconditionally. But if you want to be in his kingdom, if you want to be with him, there are conditions. You got to obey him fully. Right? And if we can do that, then we can continue to be a part of his incredible kingdom and not go back to the Egypt that we were all once in. Right? And, and we know, if we know the context, I'm sure a lot of us do, we know that a covenant is being made here. Our God is a God of covenant. He wants to join in covenant with us. He wants to be with us. He wants to be in a relationship with us. And this covenant asks us, our part is to do our best to obey God. To be with God fully, to offer ourselves to Him fully. Okay? And we know this is not uncommon. Throughout the Bible, God is constantly calling people to hold to His commands. Right? John 8.31. If you hold to my teachings, you're really my disciple. Matthew 5.18. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law. Until everything is accomplished. Right? First John 2, 5 through 6. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Right? So if we do not hold to the commands of God, then we are not his people. Yes, yes, God called you out of Egypt. He called you into something so much better, but he is also calling you into 
his kingdom, which means he is calling you into his covenant, which means he's calling you into his obedience to follow him wholeheartedly. And, and it can be so hard. We, hear, we, see, we read the Bible and we see these commands. It's like, God, this is, this is hard. It's hard to do this. But we got to trust him. We got to believe that, that these commands are, are what's best for his kingdom. Okay? Now, I remember this. Uh, like I said, I used to live in Colorado. Uh, and in Colorado, I was a big fly fisherman. Okay? Uh, I love fly fishing. Colorado's got pristine water to fish trout. And uh, it's incredible. All right, and so what a lot of times me and uh, the staff, so Brian Campbell and this guy named Rick, on our day off, we would go to these, these rivers and we would, we would fish. One weekend, uh, we were fishing for this fish that only came, like, it's like two weeks out of the year. It's called, uh, it's, it's freshwater salmon, okay? And they would run this river for like two weeks, and then they turn into zombies. It's kind of crazy. Like, they like, they literally like deteriorate. It's crazy. So you can only fish for them for two weeks. We go up. And we're trying to catch him. I'm having a hard day. I, can't, I haven't caught a single one, right? They're catching a lot. He's catching a lot. They're, you can literally see them. There's like 30 in front of you. You can't see. Right? It's just crazy. Can't catch any of them. We go into this deep pool. Right? I can't see him anymore. We're, we're in this deep pool. And Brian, he's sitting right behind me. Brian's much older than me. He's been fishing for much longer. He's trying to help me catch one because he's been out here for like eight hours. I haven't caught anything. And so what we do when you fly fish is you're like, it's like a, it's like a river, Okay. And you're supposed to watch this thing. You know, a normal person would call it a bobber. But fly fishermen, they're, they're prideful, so they call it a strike indicator. <laughs> yeah, super, super technical. Indicates the strike of a fish, right? It's just like, so I'm watching a strike indicator. I'm going down this, I'm, wa- I'm going down the creek and I'm watching this strike indicator. And it's just not moving. And as it's not moving, Brian is saying, dude, set the hook, which is where you pull up and it sets the fish into the, into the, into the mouth or the hook into the mouth. He's telling me to set it, but the, the strike indicator's not moving, right? And everyone knows you don't set the hook unless the bobber moves, right? And he's like telling me to set it, and I'm like, Brian, it's not moving. Why would I, why would I set the hook if, if, if the bobber's not moving, right? And he made this statement. He said, Turner, how long have you been fishing? And I was like, I don't know, a year? He's like, how long have I been fishing? I was like, like 17, right, a long time. And he says, so when I say set the hook, you set the hook, and I was like, okay. So I'm kind of mad now. I go back over, and I'm watching it. And he says, set the hook. And I just yank as hard as I can because I'm just I'm out of frustration. And believe it or not, there's a fish on the line. <laughs> I was so stunned. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's on there. I, I didn't know what to do. And so they ended up getting away because I didn't, I didn't battle it. Right? I let the, 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 the line get uh, not taut, and so then the fish got away. But I was just so surprised. I was like, but it did the indicator didn't move. How, how was I supposed to know to set it, right? And he's like, you just got to listen. I feel like we can be like this, right? I feel like this can reflect our life with God. God is telling us, to, he's like, man, if you guys just, if you guys could just set the hook right now, right? Set the hook spiritually. Something incredible would happen. But we're like, no, God, this is just too hard. I don't think we should do this or all, oh, but the barber's not moving, God. We have all these excuses, all these reasons not to obey him. If we just did, we would see the incredible gift of his kingdom. We would see incredible things happen in our life. We would see prayers answered that we thought would never happen. But we we got to obey. We got to listen. We got to trust God. We got to trust that what he tells us is good for us. And that when we didn't listen to him, we found ourselves in Egypt. 
of our lives. We found ourselves in, in the place with no hope. We want to be with God. We got to, we got to obey him. We got to trust him. So the question you got to answer is what is stopping you from following God's commands? What is stopping you? Is it hard to trust? Do you feel like you've been obeying for so long you haven't seen anything happen? Is, is there past hurts in your life that have that are stopping you from continuing to trust God? Have we lost our sense of faith and trust that obeying Him fully will lead to something greater? Yes, God called us out of darkness. God, God brought us to an incredible place, but he is calling us to obey him, right? But it says if we do obey him, if we do follow him, then out of us he will be a treasured possession, will be a holy nation, a nation of priests, like will be a light to the world, right? God, since the beginning of his relationship with man, his intention was for man to bless the world, for humans to bless the world, to have impact, to make a difference, to build. But when we don't obey, we don't have the same impact. We've got to live lives that are radically different, right? A holy nation means set apart, yep. not like that of. It's different. When we, when we become a part, about, a part of God's kingdom... We are now separated from the world, and we must live that way. But when we do, we're a light, and people are drawn to us, right? We should live lives through our obedience to God that when people look at us, they stop and, and wonder, man, why does this guy live this way? Why does this guy love people unconditionally? Why does this guy work hard even though it's not to his gain? Why is this guy serving people that, he, that I wouldn't serve? Why is this guy living righteously? Why is he not going out and getting drunk? Why is he going out and serving people and loving people instead of going home and, and being lazy and selfish? Right? Like our lives are meant to create people. It's supposed to make people stop and look and be like, man, what is that? How can I, how can I be a part of this? Right? There's a passage in Acts chapter 11, 19 through 26. I think it's up here, but I'm not going to read it. Um, it's, just, it's a short story. It's about these disciples in Antioch. Okay, and Antioch was this central city, right? A bunch of different races had come to this city because it's kind of like a junction to many different uh, areas of Rome. All right, so you got Greeks there. You got, uh, you got Jews there. You got people from the east. You got people from the north. You got people from the south. And they all kind of come to this city and they kind of converge. And in that time, you hung out with, with who you were, right? If you were a Jew, you hung out with the Jews. If you were a Greek, you hung out with the Greeks, right? And that's what you were called, right? There, there was no questioning. But then this church came in. They started coming together, and people from different nations became a group. And they, they, they were kind of confused. They kind of stopped and looked at them like, man, what's going on here? And they didn't know what to do because it was people of different nations meeting together. They didn't know what to call them. So this is where it says the, the uh, disciples were first called Christians. It's the reason why they were called Christians, because they didn't, they didn't know what to call them. This wasn't, this wasn't a single nation. This was an, a group of nations together. And they claimed to follow Christ. So we'll just call them Christians. It's incredible that these people 
loved God. They obeyed God, and they, and they created the whole town looked at them and they just created this sense of, wow, like, who are these people? People had to stop and look at these people's lives and people's lives were changed because of it, right? It's amazing the impact Christians can have. We can just live up to God's calling. If we can just do what God is calling us to, the impact is eternal. It's, it, it, can, it can change entire communities, right? We cannot lose sight of that. That is, that is our calling, we are called to impact our community. We are called to be outwardly focused. We are called to serve. We are called to love, right? Like that's what, that's God's vision for the church. The people see the impact and they're drawn to it. I want to be a part of this. I want to see what this is about, right? We have that same calling today. We cannot lose sight of, of that calling. We cannot lose sight of that vision, right? God desired this for the people here in this room. He desired for you guys to have deep impact in your community so that we could be a light to the world. But church, we got to remember where we came from. We got to obey. We got to seek to have impact. And if we can do this, like we're living out God's original state. Like this is what God envisioned for his people, right? Exodus 19, one through six. This is, is like, man, this is what I want you guys to be. This is what I want you guys to do. This is what I want. It's the impact I want you guys to have on the world. And if we can do this, if we can obey, if we can, if if we can trust, if we can impact, man, like God, God can do incredible things. We can see incredible victory. So I got a couple questions I want you guys to to leave with. All right? Do you live as someone who has been called out of the world? you live as someone who's been called into God's kingdom? Are you holding on to the commands of God? Are you obeying him? Are you trusting him? Are you allowing him to reign in your life? And finally, are you being a light to the world? Are you making impact on the people around you? Are you making an impact in your community? Are you serving? Are you looking outward beyond yourself? Guys, this is what God is calling us to. The question is, will you answer it? Will you answer the call that God has given you? Because I want to encourage you, answer the call. And I really believe that, that this church, that our church, that our, we, we, can, we can have such an incredible impact on this world moving forward if we trust, if we obey, and if we have impact, if we serve. I'm going to pray. God, we thank you for who you are. God, I pray that we can remember this. I pray that we can remember what we came out of. God, I pray that we can trust that what you're doing in our life is, is exactly what you want. God, if we can just trust you, if we can obey you, if we can serve, if we can look outward, God, that incredible things would happen, things that we could never imagine. God, I love you so much. So grateful for the churches that we have all over the world, God. So grateful for the community here. Uh, so grateful for the heartland and it's everything that we are doing together. God, I pray that we can continue to have one vision. Uh, we can be unified, God, that we can serve and love one another. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. 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 Amen.